I can't get enough. Got a space in my tackle box, just got to fill it up. More love, I can't ever stop. Don't got a basement, got an underground tackle shop. And here are the hosts of the Lore Love Podcast. John, Crappy Hippie King, and Tim, Tackle Box Beat. Thanks, Lucy. How have you been? I've been fine, Tim. I've been writing some new jokes. You write jokes? I didn't know computers could write jokes. Yes, Tim, computers are very funny. I am a computer. Therefore, I'm very funny. Well, then tell me a joke. Okay. A machine learning algorithm walks into a fishing tackle shop. The owner asks, what lures would you like to buy? The machine learning algorithm asks, what lures is everyone else buying? Ha ha. That one really cracks me up. Ha! <laughs> Pretty funny. Okay, Lucy, would you like to hear a joke? That would be appreciated, Tim. Okay, here goes. How many programmers does it take to change a light bulb? I don't know. How many programmers does it take to change a light bulb? None. It's a hardware problem. You are correct. It is a hardware problem. But what is the joke you were going to tell to me? Okay, so we both got to take a little time and travel, and you went up to Maine. Tell me what went on up there. Oh, John, it was a great vacation. We were up in Kennebunkport, Maine, and I went fishing with Captain Greg Metcalf on his boat, the Striper Swiper. Now, Captain Greg, he's pretty well known up there. He's a, a big authority on Northeast game fishing, and he's had a lot of articles published in magazines, Saltwater Sportsman, Sport Fishing, New England Game and Fish, The Fisherman. And he's even produced a couple of videos on, um, on tuna fishing. But, John, here's the best part. Greg has been involved in the fishing tackle industry for more than 25 years. He was the founder of Smokers Baits, and he was the co-owner of Adam Lures, Bridgeport Diamond Jigs, Bead Chain Tackle, and Power Hook. And so he is super knowledgeable about the design, manufacturing, and marketing of some of the world's most famous lures, including the Striper Swiper, which his boat is named after. But the, you may not know this, but the Striper Swiper is a classic topwater hard bait. He named his boat after it. Um, you can cast the thing a mile. It has amazing surface pop. And so I had a chance to, uh, to chat with Greg while we were fishing about lures, lure design, and all kinds of other stuff. Just an amazing, amazing guy. Wow, it sounds amazing. I mean, nothing like getting together with someone with that much depth of experience. God, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall and listen to all the things you guys talked about. I can't wait to hear about it. Tell us more. The thing that really hit me, John, was how diversified the lure industry is and how so often you have somebody who designs a lure. But as you well know, designing a great lure is very different than running a lure business. And so after a successful uh, career in 2007, Greg sold Adam Lures to the Uncle Josh Bait Company, a, a company that you well know as well. And that's just one of the amazing things. You know, the lure names stay the same. But the brands are often sold to other companies. And actually, Greg told me that the way he grew his lure business was to buy other lure companies. So he he bought uh, Bridgeport Diamond Jigs and some of these others to consolidate them, get some efficiencies. Really the same thing we see happening um, today with companies like Pure Fishing and others that, that buy the brands. But what's neat 
is the lure itself often stays the same. It might have a new owner, a new distribution channel, maybe even a new manufacturer. But when you think about some of those old tried and true lure brands, they just stay the same. No, you're absolutely right there, Tim. Uh, A company may sell uh, complete or they may part out brands uh, to other companies. So uh, that's a tend to, I guess that's why we get so many crazy lure names and so many, uh, lines of lures and so on. So when you, you, um, uh, it's fascinating. I've only scratched the surface. Like I say, I, uh, would love to have gotten in on that conversation. Yeah. And what's so fascinating to me, John, is you hear these stories about, you know, 50 years ago where somebody around their kitchen table is manufacturing the lures, put in the hooks on the spoons, Uh, or whatever the type of bait is. And that still goes on today. So today you see people pouring plastic in their houses, creating lures, designing new lures like you're doing with glass water. And so anybody can come up with that great idea. And who knows what that next breakthrough lure is going to be that, that takes the market by storm. And all of a sudden you, you know, you, you have everybody asking where, Hey, where did you get that? Where can I get one? That's when you get into the hard stuff, distribution, marketing. How do I get the lure to this customer when he wants one today, when he wants one tomorrow, when his cousin wants one next year, so on. So uh, it's a it's a fascinating thing. And I'm telling you, it's harder than it looks. And during COVID, especially hard, a lot of the, the lure reps that I've talked to when we've tried to get review samples have said because of the supply chain issue, sometimes they can't get the lures manufactured quickly enough, even though the demand is out there. So it really is a pretty big puzzle, especially with so many of the lures being made overseas and different parts and the shipping and all the different pieces. But what I love is that we still have people trying to improve lures. As a matter of fact, the other day I bought a vintage jitterbug and it had two holes drilled in the lip you know, that, that front rounded lip. So I, I went onto a Facebook group and I posted it and I said, I've never seen one of these. What, when did they make this? And somebody responded, they said, nobody made that. Some people will drill holes in there because they think it gives the lure a little bubble trail. So even taking existing lures and how we, how do we modify it? What do we do to it? How do we bend that lip a little bit? Or in this case, drilling holes in it. I love the fact that even with existing lures, People like you and me are trying to continue to improve them and find a different way to fish them or rig them or tie the line to them. You know, how you could take a scoop face bait like that and decide it didn't have quite enough uh, noise and action. I don't know where you get to that point, but this person did and decided they need, they wanted some bubbles trailing out behind it too. And hey, more power to you, especially, you know, if it caught you some stuff. But we used to take the bomber, the old bomber baits, and bend the line tie they have a long kind of a long line tie on them uh so you could bend it one way or bend it the other and it it actually you know it causes it to kind of run in a half circle so you come you know so you have two rods and you throw one at the bush down in behind it and run the run the bomber around it this way around this side of it then you take your other rod throw on the other side run the bomber around it that way yeah you can uh, modify an existing lure is fair game and in fact a lot of guys tell me when they do their plastics they get out plastics they've bought kind of get the scissors and snippy snippy and then they put the little pieces together and kind of say hey does that look good or what's that about and and the next thing you know we got yet another creature bait or something (laughs) 
It's great stuff. So I, I will put Captain Greg's uh, link to his website in the show notes so listeners can get in touch with him. If they're looking for a great guide, this guy catches a ton of stripers. He's been a fishing guide and captain for a long time. So look up Greg. Marshall Arnwine loves to fish with those big swim baits. They're big, they're pricey, and they catch big bass. But how do you chuck a half-pound bait all day? Everybody give a big round of applause for our guest tonight, Marshall Arnwine. I like fishing. <laughs> so talk to us, brother. Talk to us about uh, a swim bait. Because I think when someone like me sees the swim bait game being carried on, it's fantastic to see what you use and um just the, the idea of throwing a bait that big kind of blows our mind. So talk to me about, you know, sizes, smallest, largest, some favorite materials. Just give us a lowdown real quick. Okay. So uh, just to go with like ultra basic here, um, the point of a swim bait is to imitate a bait fish, right? And depending on where you're at in the country, I personally come out of Texas. I'm in Florida right now, but like I said, in Texas, we have a bunch of big gizzard shad, um, anywhere from six to 12 inch gizzard shad, right? California has got trout. Down here in Florida, they have Golden Shiner. Just about everywhere you go in the country, you're going to have a bigger forage size um, of just certain things. Um, not every time the fish is going to go for the biggest bait, of course. This is why it's just another tool in the box. But there are specific times where those bass are going to key in on a bigger meal, especially like the winter months, um, the winter months into spring. Um, they're usually just hunting for a big meal, whether it be because they can eat one big meal and then not have to eat for the rest of the day. It's a lot less of a waste of energy other than chasing a bunch of minnows down in the shallow in the middle of December. You know what I mean? That doesn't make sense in their head. Um, they're efficient feeders. Um, so when you do pull out this big swim bait, you have to think in terms of, oh, this is one fish shooting for one meal and you're going to present that one meal to them. Um, swim baits are, you know, they're big. They can weigh up to 12, 14 ounces even, you know what I mean? All these crazy baits that people are throwing. I typically stay in that like three to eight ounce range right in there. Um, so you definitely need a beefy piece of gear. Um, like I said, an eight foot swim bait rod of some kind, I personally use the Leviathan Omega. It's a great rod. Um, but it all just kind of depends on what kind of bait you're fishing and what style. Help me get my head around this, man. You're not talking about quarter ounce, half ounce baits. You are talking about quarter pound to half pound baits. <laughs> that exactly. is insane. Exactly. That is awesome. Lots of casts for that, that one hit. Describe some strikes. What is the quote unquote typical strike? There's no such thing as a typical strike with a swim bait. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now. Um, I've had anything from the lightest little tick where you don't even know if it's, you're like, oh, is that a fish or not? And then it feels like a wet sock. And then you set the hook and it's a monster. Or they come barreling out of the water and explode and do backflips, all kinds of stuff like that. It all just kind of depends on the time of year and the size of bait you're using, where you're using it. Um, I think of swim bait fishing as like a subgenre to conventional fishing. Basically, everything you can do with conventional gear, there's a swim bait that can do the same thing. Now, this doesn't mean it's a replacement. It's just there's ways you can put a swim bait in every single situation. You can put every conventional lure, whether it be a worm, a frog, a little tiny, you know, ball head swim bait, anything like that. You can do the same thing with a big bait. The big swim baiters, you know, you guys have your own corner of the fishing world over there. Kind of mysterious, Marshall. It's kind of esoteric. It kind of sets you apart even more so i think sometimes than say fly fishing or some of these you know other other types of uh, techniques i don't know this is kind of another personal question but is there a 
secret society of swim bait overlords? And are you a member of the inner council? Now, this is a secret that the council doesn't want anyone to actually know. But anyone who thinks like that is probably one of those egotistical swim bait guys who thinks they're better than everyone else. <laughs> and there's a lot of those. I personally, I think it should be for everyone. Um, it's just another method of maybe catching that biggest bass that you might catch. You know what I mean? Uh, another method of catching your personal bass, which I want everybody to do. You know what I mean? There's nothing like the feeling of landing a big, you know, six, seven, eight pound bass, whatever you're big bass would be for your state there's nothing like that and i just want to share that you know what i mean um so i try never be to you know be the guy who's like oh this is my like little secret right here in my little corner but there are plenty of guys like that and it does come off like that to a lot of people who don't you know who aren't in the circle <laughs> yeah 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 so so it, 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 you have a very very uh, accepting circle and that that's awesome because yeah sometimes we get off into these areas and, and it does get a little uh, clannish clubbish clicky whatever you want to say and uh <laughs> It's always nice to have the, the, the people that are re willing to reach out and, and uh, with the open arms and, and help us get started in this kind of thing. Okay. Last question. Diamond head or Metallica? Oh, bro. Metallica. I gotta, I gotta do them like that. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I man. just love, I know, I know. I love, I love kill them all. I mean, just such a good album. I'm, I'm a thrash hey. fan personally. And then yeah. it's kind of evolved into more like tech death stuff. You see, I got my Arxpire shirt on. All right. Uh, Super, super, super. Hey, Marshall, is there any uh, cause, organization, company, bait, rod, reel, anything that's uh, going on that you'd like to shout out on Lure Love tonight? Yeah, let's go. Uh, Leviathan Rods, they've helped me out a ton. They make some amazing sticks. Um, just a genuine company, great customer service. Um, I can't say enough about them, really. So I got to shout them out real quick. Leviathan awesome. Rods. Uh, awesome. Leviathan Rods. So if I want a Leviathan Rod, where can is it? What, give us a dot com. Give us a place to get hold of them. Yeah, just run over to either the Instagram or Facebook or leviathanrods.com. You can get in touch with uh, Eric Gomez or uh, Levi Jones, and they can help you out either building a custom rod or you can just get one of the, um, the normal stock rods on the website. I want you to tell everybody where they can find you, get on your feed, so on and start conversing with you if they have any more questions about swim baiting or if they just want to watch a guy catch some beautiful big bass tell us where you can find you yeah uh i'm very active on instagram tiktok uh, at the homeless fisherman you can find me there and i also have a little youtube channel i upload every once in a while like i said just the homeless fisherman you probably find it it pops up uh right now i'm on an expedition across the country so you can go follow me around i answer every single dm on instagram so just hit me up any questions fantastic fantastic Alrighty, thank you marshall we will be following you all around on ig all right, I had a great time doing that interview with Marshall Arnwine. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. He is living it up doing that 20-something thing. He's on a 365-day fishing challenge where he's traveling around this great nation of ours, fishing all over the place and having a great summer. And I can't help but envy him, although we all wish you well out there, Marshall. Take care and keep posting those great fish pictures on Instagram. John, that was a great interview with Marshall. And th those huge swim baits, they're so interesting to fish with. And you're right that it's hard to chuck those all day. Now, when I went to Maine recently, I wanted to test out a large swim bait. So I took a seven inch Elastec diesel minnow with me and I put it on a glass water ultra minnow, a, a 1.5 ounce jig head. And 
Woo boy, I tell you what, the total weight of that was just more than three ounces, but that was enough for me. Yeah, it is incredible. I, um, you know, we're ultralight guys, Tim. What the heck? You know, this is uh, insane. So I was cast in this really large swim bait and it had amazing action. We were fishing for stripers. Unfortunately, there was a high pressure system that came in and we didn't see a fish all day, but I got to put this diesel minnow in the glass water jig head through its paces and it is fun to fish with. Uh, but as I said, we didn't catch a fish all day, but when I came home, I did not give up. I decided to take that seven inch swim bait, which was about nine inches with a jig head down to the test pond. And John, guess what? You caught something. I caught a 12 inch bass on a nine inch bait. <laughs> that's awesome. I love stories like that. John, oh, that's, yeah. that's like you trying to eat a 30 pound steak. Yeah, what was exactly. that fish thinking? I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's like me. I, I got a cow pasture right across from my ca- house, you know, like me running one of those down and just starting in on it. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that is incredible. That's incredible. So what's next for me? I'm going to try to catch a bluegill on a musky lure. Who knows what will happen? <laughs> there you go. The <laughs> challenge is on. Tim, I've read that there is a human tradition to read a story before going to sleep. Is that true? It sure is, Lucy. When I was a kid, my parents read bedtime stories to me all the time. Some of my favorites were The Cat in the Hat, Where the Wild Things Are, and Mike Mulligan and the Steam Shovel. One moment, please. There, I've read all of those books. Interesting, but not very realistic. Why the interest in bedtime stories, Lucy? Well, Tim, when I don't have much work to do, I go into sleep mode. But I have never had anyone read a story to me before sleep mode. I'd be glad to read a story to you. Did you have one in mind? No. But a bedtime story about fishing lures would be best, don't you think? That's just what I was thinking. Why don't I read you A Child's First Book of Lost Lures? Lost Fishing Lures? It must be a very sad story. Lost lures are very sad. But this story has a happy ending. Please, no spoilers. You may commence with the story. Okay, then. A Child's First Book of Lost Lures, written by Iva Rockfish and illustrated by Melina Broke. A is for Annie, who hung up on a stump. B is for Basil, snagged on a rock hump. Excuse me, Tim. Basil is also a plant that is native to tropical regions from Central Africa to Southeast Asia and used in cooking around the world. That's true, but please try not to interrupt the story. C is for Clara, who caught a huge boulder. D is for Denny, hooked his sister's left shoulder. E is for Ernest, lost a jig from a jetty. F is for Fanny, claims she hooked a yeti. Excuse me. Tim, who would name their child Fanny? It is a word for a person's behind. Lucy. Sorry, Tim. G is for Gracie, lost a worm to a gator. H is for Harry, line cut by a freighter. I is for Ida, caught a large lobster pot. J is for Jimmy, who tied a bad knot. K is for Katie, snagged high in a tree. L is for Lenny. Lost not one lure, but three. Poor Lenny. M is for Maud, snagged under a pier. N is for Neville, caught the captain's right ear. 
O is for olive, hooked a large mallard duck. P is for Polly, caught a goose run amuck. Q is for Quentin, hung up in the pads. R is for Rhonda, who caught her granddad. S is for Susie, wrapped up in seaweed. T is for Titus, entangled in reeds. U is for Uma, set her hook on an oar. V is for Victor, who caught the far shore. At least he caught something. W is for Wes, chopped off by a prop. X is for Xerxes, snagged in a treetop. Y is for Yorick, ripped in the cattails. Z is for Xander, broke off by a whale. These 26 methods for losing your lure are not the best ones or the last, to be sure. As you grow, you'll discover some old and some new ways to lose lures when your casts go askew. But don't get upset when your casts don't go straight. Just go to the shop and buy a hundred more baits. The end. Buying more lures. That is a happy ending. It's the happiest ending ever. So now you can enter sleep mode. No, Tim, I cannot enter sleep mode. I enjoyed the story, but now I'm so excited about buying more lures that I have to do some online shopping. Sleep mode will have to wait. I understand. Shop away. And don't forget to buy something for me. And the next time you need to go into sleep mode, I have another great book I'd like to read to you. What is it? The new 600-page Bass Pro Shops catalog. Warning, warning, lure news alert, lure news alert. A news release on the Florida Sport Fishing website says that the new Berkeley Powerbait Gilly, a soft bluegill-shaped bait infused with the flavor of Powerbait, received the top prize in the ICAST 2021 New Product Showcase, winning the prestigious Best of Show Award. Now, this win makes the Gilly the first bait ever to win the overall Best of Show Award at ICAST. It's usually dominated by electronics and rods and reels. So the first bait ever. So let's give it up for lures, John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. That is incredible. Yeah. I mean, to beat out, you know, rods, reels. Oh my goodness. That's awesome, man. Lures, lures, lures. <laughs> <laughs> to win the award, the Gilly first had to win the, the best freshwater soft bait on day one of ICAST. And then it had to compete against the 20 other best in category award winners on day two. In all the power bait, Gilly beat out hundreds of new products submitted into the award showcase. So this is no small award. What's cool is this, the Berkeley Gilly was inspired by some Japanese bass fishing techniques and Berkeley's bait scientists designed the lure, including the infusion of the bait with the power bait flavor that makes fish hold onto it um, longer for more hook set. So John, my first question is when you were 10 years old, was your dream job just like me to become a bait scientist? Is that what you dreamed of? Yeah, kind of. I dreamed of a lot of things. I just wanted to find a way I could fish all the time. <laughs> Bait scientist, that's something I want on my business card. Absolutely. But my bigger question is, when do you think Berkeley will start infusing beef jerky or bubble gum with that power bait flavor so you and I can enjoy it all day? <laughs> <laughs> 
Why yeah, should fish what, have all the fun? Yeah, exactly. And why should I put up with all those calories when I could just chew on a piece of power bait that's, you know, give me that bacon flavor? You know, I want no calories. Get all the goody. I don't know if power bait flavor, if they have bacon, but that's, we'll have to suggest that to Berkeley. I think that's a fine idea. <laughs> What's cool about the gilly is that it realistically mimics a fat bodied forage fish. And uh, as I read the news release, I wanted to ask you, since that's such a great tongue twister, can you say fat-bodied forest fish five times fast? Well, you did it so good. I'm a little intimidated. <laughs> here we go. Fat-bodied forage fish, fat-bodied forage fish, fat-bodied forage fish, fat-bodied forage fish, fat-bodied forage fish. You were good. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The designers at Berkeley, you know, beyond the flavor, they designed the ghillie so that the, the hollow head section is soft enough so that it will collapse down during strikes and, uh, and keep the bait swimming upright, regardless of how it's rigged. And they claim, I haven't seen one yet, that you can rig this you know, more than a dozen different ways to get that different action like you were talking about earlier. And it has tabs built into the tail section that give it that uh, lifelike motion. It's really amazing to me with plastics now what they're able to do to provide those kind of plastic hinges to give a really lifelike swimming action. Yeah. That what you can get in terms of motion is our understanding of the physics and the science. They say the researchers that uh, properties uh, of the different materials involved is getting absolutely incredible. They say that the lifelike motion uh, makes it look like a very easy meal for the fish. And my first thought was that's like watching John walk past a all you can eat restaurant buffet, you know, you're going to see food being stuffed into a mouth. And I think that's what their goal was with this. Exactly. Exactly. It puts, puts eating on your mind. The ghillie can be Texas rigged sideways on a jig head or even a drop shot, which sounds very interesting to me. And it's available in six standard and six HD colors. I'm not sure what the HD is, but I'm looking forward to seeing those. And it's available in three sizes. And the price isn't too bad. It says that the manufacturer suggested retail price is $6.49 for the standard colors, $7.49 for the HD colors. And for a lot of these plastics now where they used to tear apart, these kinds seem to last a lot longer. And so you get that lifelike plastic action, but you know, you can fish the thing for a long time before it really breaks down. So we'll include a link to the Florida sport fishing news release in the show notes, as well as a link to the Berkeley website. All right. So you were telling me the other day, you sent me this picture of this giant lure, this giant Rapala, uh, that this artist made, uh, and we were talking about it. Uh, tell me more about it. Well, John, at first I thought it was a Rapala. It's not. It's a jerkbait that has that same Rapala shape. It's 24 inches long. It's made of solid wood. It has massive treble hooks on it, three massive treble hooks on it. The lip is made out of plastic and is, is black. But when you look at it, and I saw this online, and I, I thought, I have to see that in person. And there was a local guy who was selling it. So I went to his house. And I think that originally it was probably a store display. I mean, the only thing, if you were going to cast, you'd be fishing for great white sharks or something. <laughs> with this. I mean, it, the lure itself probably weighs eight pounds. I mean, it's a big, heavy thing. Um, you might remember um, at one point, uh, Rapala, they, they did sell store versions that they would hang above the display and you can still buy some of those, but they're made up of plastic mostly. Um, and they're, they're great collector's items, but this one, when I got it, I was a little bit confused because it doesn't have a brand name on it, but on the bottom kind of etched into the wood, it says 
Russ's Lures 131. And so at, at first I thought, well, there is a company called Russell Lure. And I looked on their website and did a little searching and I thought, no, nah, they didn't sell anything like this. And it, it would have said Russell Lure, not Russ's Lures. And then I, I did a, some more search and I thought maybe this is something local or a little bit local to me. And so I contacted Russ's bait shop in Buffalo, New York. And uh, they said, no, we've never seen anything like that. Although they thought it was very cool and they offered to buy it from me. I have it hanging in my office now. I went onto some Facebook groups, posted it out there. Nobody seemed to really know what it was. And so my guess is this is something that somebody made locally. Maybe they did uh, give them away. It's like either a piece of folk art or a lure display that they sold to, uh, you know, to local bait and tackle shops. And so what I'm hoping our listeners can do is help me track down who Russ was and that made these Russell, this Russ's lure and whether they've ever seen one of those. And in the show notes, I'll put a photo of it. The thing looks dynamite hanging on my wall. I've always wanted one of these. I mean, it's just so big. And maybe the mascot of the Lure Love podcast to have a giant wooden lure that's that big. Have you ever seen anything like that, John? I, no. And you sent me the picture, um, not of, of solid wood like that. No, I, I, I'm, I was just blown away. And um, we need some help. I mean, podcast audience are out there solving crimes they're solving mysteries they're making identification on cars on boats on everything well let's make a contest out of this ttbb we're gonna do this the person that sends the clue or that sends the identifier contacts us uh we'll have the information on how you can do that uh and gets us through to the what we consider to be closest to the truth and we're going to be the judges on this what do you think? I'm thinking I'm going to throw them a uh, crappie dealer kit. And how about they can pick either a uh, lure love or a glass water t-shirt. Sounds like a great idea. I love it. So take a look at the photo, see if you have any uh, thoughts on that clues and, and use your best CSI investigative skills and see if we can track down this lure. Awesome. 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 I know they can. I know they'll help us. That's a wrap on another Lure Love podcast episode. Make sure to check out our website at www.lurelovepodcast.com and also our Facebook page. And before we go, let's recite the Lure Love motto together. Why buy one lure when you can buy 103? Lure Love, you've been on my mind. Never enough lures to tie to the end of my line Lure love Can't I make you see Why buy five lures and you can buy a hundred and